Welcome to Episode 7 of Advanced Scout, your favorite podcast about clutch baseball, a card game that's actually a board game about a ball game. I'm Paul Seeley, manager of the Fed Wheezy Fusion. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that Clutch is a Discord, and it is awesome. Chat about the game, play games, check out cool team-building resources, find out when the next major league is going to start, and more. Come join us. A link to the Discord will be in the description of this podcast. Do you ever feel like, when you're talking about issues with people... And some people have like really firm opinions on stuff. And you don't really understand why. Like, it's just not that important, you know? Like, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they're, they're saying, you know, um, Mike Trout's the, the greatest baseball player of all time. And, you know, they had all these statistical evidence. And, you know, I, I just don't really care. Like, he's good. We know that. Who you want to compare him to? I mean, I don't know. You know, or you know, I mean, this other this other time, um, you know, this person was talking about like climate change and how like the world's going to end and you know we need to save the planet. Um, it's going to be potentially uninhabitable for human beings, or you know, maybe it'll be habitable for some, but it's going to disrupt a lot of lives. Um, you know, stuff like that, and I mean. There's probably another side to that, right? You know, or um, some people say, you know, I want everybody to be treated equally and to have the same rights as everybody else. And, I mean, you know, maybe there's there's room to play devil's advocate there. I don't know. Um, sometimes, I, you know, you, you just got to be a little neutral. That brings us to today's topic. Heading into a new season, I want to look at all the strategy cards that are available. And we're starting with neutral strategy cards. So, I'm going to go through all of the neutral strategy cards that are in the 2019 set and the 2020 set. We don't know what's coming in 2021. So, I want to look at the cards that are going to be legal for official play in 2021. And just kind of sort them into little tiers as far as how good I consider them to be and I'll try to give you a little bit of an explanation of why I have what they are so just to keep things simple uh, I have them in tiers of every day which is like the best you're using this 90% to 100% of the time probable which is you are probably using it 70 80% uh, day to day you might use it you might not uh, alternate site, which is, I probably am not using it, but, like, I'm keeping an eye on it. Like, I'm not opposed to the idea. Um, and released, which is, I'm never using this card. So those are my tiers. Um, I'm generally keeping this in mind going forward, um, as far as what I envision my strategy card usage to be. Obviously, this will change with whatever strategy cards come out in 2021, but, in general, I've noticed that at least once you remove 2018 cards, card draw is a lot harder to come by. 
And just in general, I have more room in my deck for stuff that I didn't have room for before. Obviously, because you took out like a third of the cards that I could use. So, I have some cards that are in tiers that I'm kind of projecting. And, and I'll, you know, say that when I talk about them. Just kind of like, you know, before I kind of maybe consider this card sometimes. Now I feel like I'm going to use it a lot. Stuff, stuff like that. So... The goal here is just kind of have a rundown of all of the cards and what I think about them, why I think they're useful, um, just to kind of give an overview before we head into the season. And, you know, we can kind of start forming our opinions on the new cards and how they interact with those. And also, hopefully, a, a good resource for newer players who have, you know, hundreds of strategy cards to look at and they don't know where to start. So this would be a place to start. So uh, these are in, within each tier. These cards are in no particular order. So, you know, the first card of a tier is not necessarily the best. I'm just, I just, that's just how they were listed when I looked them up. So in my everyday tier, so the best cards I'm using pretty much every game, if not every game. Uh, Frozen Rope gives you a power die. You play it before the swing. Any swing, you get the power die. Uh, power die swings are really good. I think you don't have to play this before a batter's chart swing. I think that's certainly nice that you can play it. You can wait until you get it on the batter's chart. But there are plenty of situations where, you know, I got runners in scoring position and my batter isn't that good, and I'm like, you know what, YOLO, I'm just going to play this on the pitcher's chart. Hope I get some runs in, because the time called for it. I, I don't think, I'm not above using Frozen Rope in that way. Uh, I think Power Dice Swings are good no matter what, but it does give you flexibility to use it whenever you want. I think that's pretty nice. Next, Advanced Scout. I love this card. I have always loved this card. You take three cards in your hand, you put them in your deck, and then you draw three cards. Plain and simple. Um, it works because you get to use more cards that are more situational. So you get to use clutch moment cards and not have to discard them if you draw them in the first inning. And you can, cause you can put them back on your deck if you find advanced scout. On the other hand, if there's a card you really, really need or you really want, then you can use Advanced Scout to search for it, um, even within a certain circumstance, because Advanced Scout can be played any time. So let's say you have a 1-2-3 inning, you're looking for massive efficiency, and you don't have it in your hand. Well, you have an Advanced Scout, you can look for it, and if you find it within those cards, you get to play it after that 1-2-3 inning. So Advanced Scout is really versatile. It not only allows you to find the cards you're looking for, it allows you to use cards in your deck that are too situational to be used normally, but you can because you can always put them back in your deck if you know that the situation's coming later in which you can use them. Uh, next is Full Monty. This is the most powerful card in the game. You take your top five cards, your opponent puts them into two separate piles, and then you choose the pile you want. Uh, it's really good because it gives you... I mean, at minimum, one really good card, or most likely two cards, or three cards. And in general, more cards is good. 
Um, there's not a whole lot of counterplay available to make the vision that your opponent gets of a portion of your hand worth it because, you know, yeah, they know what you have, but it usually doesn't matter all that much. There are times that there's counterplay there, but not a whole lot, and getting extra cards is really good. Like, if you know you need Master of Efficiency, and you get Master of Efficiency in your five cards, you are guaranteed to be able to get that card. You may only get that card, but you are guaranteed to be able to get that card. So if there are certain cards you know you need, then Full Monty basically lets you look through like a tenth of your deck and if it's in there, it's yours. And that's really powerful. On top of the fact that you're just drawing a bunch of cards in the first place. Um, so in that sense, it's really good. Again, just like Advanced Scout, you can use it to try and find more cards. Uh, if you're looking for a card in a specific situation, you can full Monty for it. All that stuff. Deja Vu. Uh, really good. I know it's used a lot. Um, there are definitely, there have definitely been times where I did not use Deja Vu because, like, it's a really heavy cost. You have to discard two cards to reroll the swing on any swing. Um, but, you know, especially now when I don't have a glut of awesome cards that I'm picking from, usually I'm cool having a Deja Vu. Um, that said, it comes with a warning that you don't want to just deja vu anything. I know one thing I see a lot when I play, you know, newer managers or um, managers who, you know, tend to struggle with the game a little bit is I'll see them use a card like deja vu on like a solo home run when it's like, okay, I know this game's gonna, like, both of us are gonna score like at least four runs. Like, that one run, getting rid of three cards in your hand, that's probably not worth it. Like, there will probably be a time later in the game where you'd rather have had that card. Um, so, I, I think you gotta keep in mind with Deja Vu that this is your press and emergency situations card. It's not, you know, oh, that was kind of bad, I should play Deja Vu. Like, it's like, Okay, that was bad. I need to deja vu this. Like, that's what deja vu is for. You know, um, deja vu is like, it's like the fire alarm. Like, you're not going to pull the fire alarm if, like, you know, it, somebody has, like, a fire, like, a lighter, and it, like, you know, it, this is a really terrible analogy. Um, you're not going to pull the fire alarm, like, if somebody, you know, accidentally lights one, like, their shirt on fire, but then they can put it out, right? Like, you're only, pu you're pulling that fire alarm if, like, you gotta pull the fire alarm. Um, really great analogy there, thanks. Um, like, this is, this is, like, there's a big cost that comes with this and you only get it once. So you better make sure that this is the optimal time to use it. That's why it's not like amazing. Like it's still really good. Like you still want that card, but 
it does come with the cost, and you just have to make sure you're aware of that when you're using it. Um, instant replay. Actually, kind of a similar deal. Um, after any roll, you get to discard a card to plus or minus one to the roll. So it's a, it's a smaller cost, um, but you get to do it after any roll, and that effect is super powerful, right? Like, you you only get one copy of this. So, for example, you have to think about, like, okay, what what is the most effective way I can use this card, right? Like, let's say the bases are empty, and you hit a single, and you could add one to make it a double. Is that the best use of that instant replay you're going to get in the whole game? I highly doubt it, right? So, especially because you have to discard a card to use it, and you only get one of them, like, you do have to make sure you're using this card in the most optimal situations, because it's not like there's no cost to it. Um, and it can be really powerful. So using it to not a huge effect is something that I do see um, newer managers do that I, I would recommend not doing. Uh, but, you know, it's really useful. Like, you have runners on, and, you know, you if you just, if you subtract one from the pitch roll, you get the advantage, like, that's probably worth it, um, if your batter's good, right, if, you know, you can plus one to guarantee a pitcher's chart hit, when you have runners on touring position, and you really need that run, it's like a 1-1 game in the seventh, like, yeah, do it, um, you know, otherwise, you gotta take into consideration, you know, the later the game gets, the more you should just use it, right? Like, if you're in the ninth inning, you should probably just use it. But, you know, it's, it's like a scale. Uh, next, Focused. This is my last card in the Everyday tier. Uh, I didn't use Focused as an Everyday card in Polar Power, but I think I probably will be using it this way going forward. And the reason why is just that Power die swings are so powerful that being able to negate them as well as being able to negate any additions to the swing on your pitcher's chart is so good that it's just worth having. I mean, yeah, you could use it on offense to deny any subtractions to the swing, and that might be useful. I think it's more likely you would use it to deny pitcher's chart hits. Um... Because everybody uses power die swings and everybody uses additions to the swing, I don't see a scenario in which this is a bad card to use. And if this was ever out of my strategy deck, it was always like the 51st card or the 53rd card or something like that. And with the 2018 cards removed, I'm definitely going to have room for something like focus and there's never a game in which this card is not useful. Um, it's always very too extremely useful in basically every game because, you know, you get in the right situation, you got, you're a pitcher, you got a runner on second, you can't let score, and your opponent plays a power die swing. It's like you cannot allow that power die swing to occur. You got focus, you can do it, you know? So, stuff like that's really important. Next, I'm going into the probable tier. So, cards that I think I would probably use most of the time. Not always, but most of the time. Uh, the first is Now or Never. 
You play it immediately after the swing in a clutch moment. You factor the batter's clutch into the swing roll. If you have players that can make use of this card, this is an automatic take. Being able to add plus two, plus three after the swing is super valuable. Uh, I have found many timely runs later in the game for this. The only reason it's in the probable tier is maybe you don't have any batters with good clutch, and maybe your opponent doesn't have any batters with negative clutch that you want to abuse. So, you know, you're not always going to be using this card, but you'll probably be using it most of the time if you have batters that work for it. Um, being able to add after the swing, anytime you can add after a roll, that's really powerful because you get to decide what the outcome of that card is. So you know what you're getting when you play the card, which means you are guaranteed to get a certain amount of value from it because you can pinpoint exactly what you're getting from it. On the same note, I have payoff pitch, which is basically the same thing, but for pitching. So again, like maybe your pitchers aren't going to be able to make use of this card. Maybe your opponent's pitchers are not going to be able to have this card used against them. You know, um, now or never, I think is easier to use just because Banners with positive clutch, I think, are more common than pitchers with positive clutch. I mean, I, I think having starters with positive clutch is somewhat unoptimal just because you're very rarely going to use a starting pitcher with in light clutch moments because clutch moments are later in the game usually. And then, you know, your relievers, like sometimes the situation calls for it, sometimes it doesn't. You know, it, it can still be useful, but I think it's a little less consistent. Um, but like it, it's still really good if you have pitchers that can make use of it. Like if you have positive clutch pitchers, absolutely. That's a great card. Um, I think at least when I've played, I, you know, I might have like one pitcher that's like positive clutch and I only have, you know, most of my pitchers are like plus one. It's like, well, okay. Is this card going to help? Like maybe, you know, stuff like that. Um, Primetime performance is kind of the same way. Like, I think if there's any clutch cards you're going to be using, it's now or never payoff pitch in primetime performance. Um, primetime performance stands in its own tier because it adds to the pitch roll and the swing, swing roll as opposed to the pitch and the swing. And the reason that's significant is because then it could be combined with other cards that add to the swing or add to the pitch. So you can play Hail to the King, add plus three to your swing, and play Primetime Performance to add plus three to your swing roll. And so that's why a card like Primetime Performance is kind of special in that way. Um, the reason it's probable and not every day is the same reason as the other ones. Like maybe you don't have any positive clutch hitters and you're just not going to use it. Um, best in the biz. It's an after the roll card, which means it's good. Uh, you can just add plus one to any roll if your player has an icon. That's not an all-star icon. Any other icon. Um, so, like, that's really good. You, it's guaranteed value. You get to use it in whatever situation you want. And that's really good. The only reason it's probable is maybe you don't have any icons. That's why. But if you have enough players with icons that you feel like you're going to get pretty consistent use of this card, you should definitely be using this card. It's really good. Like, 
there are plenty of times where just a plus or minus one like could swing a game, no question. And finding optimal timing on that is devastating. Last but not least in the probable tier, I have did his homework 2.0. Um, I definitely did not play this as a probable card before. This was definitely more like sometimes, maybe, you know. But I think the reason I'm moving this up is one, um, the defensive only version of did his homework 1.0 doesn't isn't legal anymore. So if you want to reverse hand disadvantages, this is basically what you got. And the reason I put this in the probable tier is because one, the more I start building and playing with teams, the more I find myself liking cards with like large handedness bonuses. Like I love Darren Ruff. Uh, I love Randy Rosarena. I love Bo Bichette. You know, cards with really large handedness bonuses. You know, I like pitchers with handedness bonuses. You know, I love Robbie Erlin. I love Tommy Hunter, right? Like, all of these are really good cards. So, I think it would be pretty likely that I have a team that can make use of a card like this. So, discarding a card to reverse our L plus advantages is a pretty significant cost. So it's probably not something you want to do like for no reason, but there are definitely going to be situations if you have enough handedness bonuses where that's legitimately really useful. Like you, like, you know, you could have a plus three that you're switching over and your opponent has a plus two that you're negating. And all of a sudden you know, you've increased your chances of getting the advantage by 25%, right? And that's like, wow, that's like actually humongous in um, a scenario where there's runners in scoring position or something like that. So that's super useful. Next, we're going into the day-to-day tier cards that um, I definitely could see myself using here and there. Cards that I think are situationally very useful. And not always useful. So, you know, probable, here's the difference, right? So probable, I have primetime performance and day-to-day, I have full count. The reason being that full count is just an add to the, add to the swing and add to the pitch. So for full count, that's not quite as good as add to the pitch roll and add to the swing roll. And so, you know, primetime performance is like, you definitely, you, you make room for that like, even if it's, like, a little iffy of whether you're going to be able to situationally use it, like, the upside is so strong that you're probably going to use it. Full count, you probably want a pretty good indication of, like, okay, this is the kind of situation in which I can use this card, right? Like, if you have a lot of positive clutch batters, or your opponent has a lot of negative clutch batters, you know, then, okay, full count's pretty good. You get to add clutch to the pitch, you know, add clutch to the swing, right? So, that is super useful, but you know it, it, it's tough that that can work. You know, you don't always get it to work. So, you know, the upside isn't so good that you automatically are using it unless you see the situation in which you're going to be able to use that happening fairly often. Next, I have Battle of Nerves. 
I really like Battle of Nerves. Um, basically, if your player has positive clutch and your opponent has negative clutch, you re-roll the pitch. Which So you lose the advantage, but you have positive clutch, your opponent has negative clutch, re-roll the pitch. Um, it's very nice. Like, obviously that's super good in certain situations. Um, the downside is if you're in a clutch moment, I would say like 80 to 90% of managers are playing positive clutch pitchers at that point. So really, you're only going to be able to use this on defense. Um, and that's fine. But if you're using this on defense, that means you are basically reliant on like the chances of getting a negative clutch hitter up in a clutch moment. So you're kind of reliant on whatever your opponent rosters for that. And so there are going to be games where that works just fine. And you're going to have plenty of opportunities for that. And great. That's awesome. Use it. And there are going to be games where there's just not going to be a lot of opportunities. And so that's why this goes into the day-to-day tier of like, it's kind of situationally good. Next, I have better luck next time. After a one, two, three inning, Look at the top card of your deck. You may put it on top of your deck or discard it and then draw a card. Uh, the reason this is good is because it's a free cycle. So you basically are limiting your deck size when you do this. Like if, if you have a card that lets you just like, basically if this card is p- draw a card, you're basically lowering your deck size down to 49 instead of 50, right? Like, if Better Look Next Time says, draw a card, and you play it, and then you draw a card, you effectively have 49 cards. And that's good, because that means you're only using your best cards, right? So, in that sense, it's good. On top of that, it's good because you get to look at what the top card of your deck is. And if you don't like it, you can get rid of it. And so, especially if you're looking for certain cards, that helps you dig through your deck a little bit faster, uh, the reason that it's situational is you have to have one, two, three innings. So this is reliant on your pitcher being really good for the most part or your hitting being really bad. And usually I don't like um, strategies that rely on not scoring runs. So you are probably using this in a situation where my pitcher is really good. I'm going to have one, two, three innings and I'm going to get to use this. So if you're in that situation, great. Um, you know, as I said at the beginning, card draw is a little bit harder to come from now. And so being able to find it is super awesome, but be, you know, you're not going to have opportunities to use this every single time. Next is go play, which is, you play before the start of an inning. And for this inning, your opponent cannot adjust anything of any player using the all-star icon. Uh, the only reason that this is usable is because you can use it to deny bonuses to pitchers with the all-star icon. So if your opponent is using an all-star pitcher and you use go play, they can't get the plus two to the pitch from dialed in on their pitcher because they can't modify anything on their pitcher. Um, unless you are using like a bunch of all-stars in your lineup that's really the only use you're ever going to have for it. But if you're facing that kind of matchup, you need to find any situation you can to get that dialed in off of a pitcher, find any way to score a run or two 
And Go Play is a really good way to do that. Next is Losing Steam. Um, basically, uh, select one of your opponent's momentum cards and play. Return that card to their hand. So, um, the reason that that can become useful is if there's a momentum card in play that is not easy to play. So, if your opponent's using something like... Um, uh, something like... Um, what, what's that card? Uh, if they're losing, not throwing away my shot. Or, or no, the, they're using the man as non-stop. Um, you know, that would be a card that is hard to use that you would want to get out of play. Uh, you can use it against something like Round Em Up. Um, you can use it against something like, uh, ex well, okay, Exuberant 2.0 doesn't exist anymore, but if they had that, you could use that. So, pretty rare situationally, but if you know you're facing an opponent that's going to be using some of those cards, that's pretty useful. Uh, you could also use it in a circumstance against Dialed In if, like, you have runners on base and you, like, really need a good ending. Then you, you could see that. Not as useful just because they can put it back on any strikeout, but, you know, maybe they have a small strikeout range and you're like, yeah, I think it's going to take you a little bit to get this back. I think it's worth it. Then sure, yeah, that's useful. Next, I have Challenge Flag. After a defensive player throw, discard one card, reroll a defensive player throw using the same die and modifiers. So, you can really only use this card if you, if you yourself can instigate defensive plays or throws. And what I mean by that is, if you're using this card on defense, you are completely reliant on your opponent creating situations for defensive plays or throws. So if you have a good defense and your opponent just never advances home, then you never get to use this card. So if you're using Challenge Flag, for the most part, you're only using it if you're running a team where you know you're going to be trying to go home a lot. And the other part of it is you want to have this card be useful enough that there are going to be times where you get thrown out, but also you also not like you're automatically going to get thrown out, right? Like if it only takes a one for you to be safe, Challenge flag is not going to be super useful. If only a 20 gets you out, you're going to be unlikely to be able to play challenge flag. So it's kind of a weird middle ground you're trying to strike with it, where like there have to be enough out results that it's likely that I'm going to be able to play this card, but there can't be so many that I can't get value out of it. That said... Um, if you are running a team where you know you're going to be advancing a lot because you have faster guys and you're going up against a good defense and you definitely see yourself taking advantage of that, having challenge flag is really nice. It's just kind of like a backup. Like you can go on stuff you think you should go just for the off chance. Like, Hey, you know, there's a 25% chance that he throws me out. So I got challenge flag to take care of that basically. So it could be useful for that. But only if you yourself are running and creating the defensive throws or plays, not your opponent. Because you can't force your opponent to advance extra bases. Only you can do that. 
Next, I have Losses Mojo, which is after any third out, discard a card, choose a momentum strategy card, and play to discard. This is only in the day-to-day -day tier because Dialed In exists. Dialed In pretty much dominates the pitching meta um, for starting pitchers. If your opponent is using a good starting pitcher, they're trying to get Dialed In on that starting pitcher for as long as possible. And because of that, and, and the reason that's really viable sometimes is dialed in feeds itself right so dialed in only goes away if you lose the advantage but dialed in also gives you plus to the pitch making it less likely for you to lose the advantage so it kind of feeds into itself and it creates kind of like you know kind of a cycle there so with certain pitchers that are overwhelming you will pay two cards to get rid of that gladly because you know that it's really unlikely that you're going to be able to find a way to get out of it otherwise. And, you know, there are games going up against really good pitching matchups where if you score two runs, you might be able to win. And getting rid of dialed in might give you one advantage extra, and that one advantage might be enough, you know. And you're just kind of scraping whatever runs you can in. So that's why it's in the day-to-day -day tier. It never feels great to pay two cards to get rid of one card, but for dialed in, it's so good that you'll do it. And it'll, it won't feel great, but you'll know you had to. Next on this list is Rain Delay. Uh, before the start of any half inning, you and your opponent discard your hands and then draw the same number of cards that you discarded. The reason this is useful is because there are definitely times where you know your opponent is holding on to cards for a specific timing. For example, um, if you know your opponent has played advanced scout multiple times and you know that your opponent has is getting up to seven cards and you know that you're about to hit the seventh inning in a clutch moment, there's a pretty reasonable chance that your opponent has like at least two or three clutch moment based cards in their hand if they have the players to use them and you can use rain delay in that circumstance to deny those from their hand. It's also useful in the case of full Monty where you know, your opponent has a good card. Like if your goal is for your opponent to not get to use master efficiency because you know, their bullpen's weak and you know that they get it from full from full Monty, but they didn't get to play it that inning. If you rain delay, you get that out of their hand. So there are times where that's really useful too. So I put it in day-to-day -day tier just because there are not always going to be times before a game where you know you're going to be able to use rain delay, but there are going to be times where you're like, okay, I know my opponent is going to be using clutch moment cards. I know they're going to be looking for master efficiency. I know that there is going to be an opportunity for me to play rain delay. And so that's when you get to use it. But if you don't foresee a situation in which that's going to be particularly useful, then, you know, you probably don't use it. Next on this list is chess match. Chess match, you play before the pitch, and when this player is pitching or batting, all hand and his bonuses are reduced to zero. This card is discarded when there's a lead change. So the reason this is good is quite simply because you get to deny pitcher hand and his bonuses. Like, sure, it's nice for you to put it on one specific hitter and deny that, but really the value is if your opponent has 
an R plus two pitcher and all like most of your hitters are righties and you can just be like, no, I'm playing this on your pitcher and no matter what, there are no handedness bonuses. You get to completely deny that pitcher their handedness bonuses. Now it's not always that clean because usually you have handedness bonuses of your own too. And so really chess match is only good when your handedness bonuses are significantly um, outmatched by your opponents. And that doesn't always happen, you know, especially if you have some of your own, you have a decent amount, you know, usually it comes out to at least kind of a wash, um, you know, or, you know, your opponent's only going to be pitching their starter for an inning or, you know, for like three or four innings. And it's like, well, how useful is this going to be after you're out early and all that stuff? So it's not always going to be a card you want, but there are definitely circumstances where you can use this card to a really good effect. Um, you know, if you have a pitcher that you plan on using for a long time and it your pitcher does not have handedness bonuses and your opponent, you know, let's say your opponent's using like three platoons. It's like, well, you can deny all of those. So that could be useful too. There's a lot of situations in which chess match is useful, but not always, you know. There's different situations, but... I would say they're not super common. So it is something you want to watch out for. And like, oh, this is a chess match game, like where I'm going to use that. Then great, go for it. Um, last but not least is playing the shift. Um, this is less situational and more of like, this is just a generally good card that at least before wasn't good enough to find room for, but might be useful now that there are fewer cards to pick from. Um, playing the shift, play for the pitch, very simple. Minus two the pitch, minus three the swing. Uh, this might as well be a defensive card because if you're playing this on offense, you're hurting yourself. Um, minus three to the swing is significantly worse for a hitter than minus two the pitch is for the pitcher. Um, there's a lot of math to explain why that's the case. But in short, um, if you are on Discord go to the team building um, page and there's a link for clutch resources and a Google drive. And there's uh, a spreadsheet you can use called lineup simulator. And you can use the lineup simulator and you can modify stuff. So you can say, what are the expected outcomes in this batter pitcher matchup? If there's minus two of the pitch and minus three of the swing. And if you look at that, no matter what the matchup is, minus two the pitch, minus three the swing is always good for the pitcher. And so, you know, you want to use this on defense. And, you know, the reason we haven't before is just because there have been so many cards that we've wanted to use that it just kind of never made its way into a deck, I think. At least for me, that's how, that's how it's gone. But... I could certainly see a scenario where I don't have anything in particular I need, and I just kind of need more cards that are just generally good, and this would be one of those cards. Next, uh, we're moving on to the alternate site. So these are cards I'm keeping my eye on, cards that I haven't really used, but, you know, maybe I want to test out, or maybe I could see being useful, maybe. Um, first, clutch it up. Before the pitch with two outs and two or more runners on base, turns that bat at bat into a clutch moment. Um, the reason 
I have not used this card in the past is because in order for this to be useful, you have to have a lot of clutch moment cards in your hand, in your deck. And if you're doing that, you are really um, putting yourself in a dangerous position because you are basically saying, unless this is a clutch moment, I can't use like a third of my deck or half my deck or something. And it's not like clutch it up lets you make it a clutch moment anytime. Like this is still a very specific situation. So the scenarios in which I'm using clutch it up are pretty, I've been pretty low. Like I've never really used it and I've thought about it. That said with fewer cards being available and maybe that means that we have to use more clutch moment cards and maybe that means clutch it up's good. Um, I don't know. I'm, little dubious but i'm willing to kind of keep an eye on it and see how it works maybe test it out a little bit um next is know your role and that is there basically for pinch hitting so when you make a substitution if your batter's if your batter's a pinch hitter you get plus to the swing through pinch runner plus to the speed defense and substitution plus to the defense for this half inning only so you know um, generally you're going to use this as a pinch hitter. The only reason I'm keeping an eye on it is just because I don't think we have pinch hitters in really, you know, high leverage situations where you, that plus two, the swing is worth it. Like, yeah, you might use one or two pinch hitters every game, but how often are you using those pinch hitters in positions where you have a runner in scoring position and you need a modifier, right? You know, if the bases are empty and you have a pinch hitter, I mean, plus two, the swing's fine, but it's nothing, you know, it's not like, that's not great. I would rather just have a plus two, the swing I can save for a specific situation. So I'm keeping an eye on it because yeah, platoons are good, and, you know, we're looking at it, but we'll see. Next up is Now This Is Baseball. You play it after the final out of the third or later inning, and if no strategy cards were played by either player, you can draw until you have seven cards in hand. So, the reason why this has not really been in use is just because it's pretty rare for there to be an inning where neither manager plays a card. Like it, it's pretty rare. And so it's pretty difficult. That said, we are recognizing that card draw is more limited now, which is good for this card in two ways. One, it means that you're more likely to have innings where people don't play cards because they have fewer cards overall to play. And two, any card draw you can get is even more important. So, you know, I'm I'm not in, I'm not committing to this card. I'm not really sure how to think of it yet. Um, I want to look at it, maybe do some testing, and see what I think about it after that. Next is 10th Man. Uh, before the start of any half inning when the game is tied, discard a card. You leave this card in play until the game is no longer tied. Draw an extra card every half inning. So, this is tough. Um, again, it's in here for the same reason um, now this is baseball is, because it's a draw card, and we're going to be looking for draw cards. 
Um, you know, largely to replace Boone, uh, for the most part. So, Tenth Man can work if you're running a really good pitcher because the start of the game is tied. So if you have a good pitcher, then the game's tied if you never give up any runs and you never score any runs. So in that sense, 10th man can be good. That said, it's difficult because you have to discard a card in order to play it. So basically, the game has to be tied for like two innings for this to come through because you don't basically you play this and you discard the card but you have to play it after you already drew for that half inning right so if you play this to start the top of the first then you draw an extra card in the in between the first and the second and then then you're one card down if you play, if you draw an extra card at the end of the first, then you're even. So it has to be basically longer than a full inning in order for you to get value out of the card. And that is a somewhat significant risk for what is in general not a huge payout. And before there are much better draw cards that you didn't really need a card like this. But it's entirely possible now that with a lack of draw, this is a card we might look to, to replace that. Again, I don't know. This is something that we're going to be testing out. Um, it's definitely something that I will be testing out a lot before the next league, just to see, okay, what, what ways can I find card draw? Next is the bright side. Uh, this is the exact same thing. The bright side, after your opponent plays a card that successfully changes a result, draw two cards. The The difficulty of the bright side is it's completely reliant on your opponent changing the result. So you have to know that your opponent is using cards that change results. And changing results are cards that happen occasionally, but they're not guaranteed to happen every game. And so you do have to do scouting in order for this card to even possibly work. Uh, it also requires your defense to fail, generally speaking. Like, if you're changing a result, usually that's based off of de a defensive play. So, basically, you have to have a failing defense, and your opponent has to be taking advantage of it. Um, and you have to have this card in your hand. That said, uh, I could see maybe some play working with this, where, you know... You intentionally have a mediocre defense, and you say, okay, well, I'm just going to have the bright side as my draw in order to kind of overcome the fact that I'm not paying for a strong defense. I think the efficacy of that is pretty questionable, but with a lack of more reliable draw options, I could see something like that being reasonable. Again, this is going to be one of those things that we're just going to be testing. Next is spark plug. It's common after any roll, if the player involved in the game came started the game on the bench, plus minus one to the roll. So basically, if your hitter started the game on the bench, plus or minus one to the roll. That can be for the swing, be for a pitch, it can be for a defensive throw, whatever. Right? Can't be for a pitcher pitching in relief because a relief pitcher comes from the bullpen. So it has to be a batter coming from the bench. 
Uh, the reason I can see this being useful is just because there are definitely going to be some platoon strategies. And if you're switching a platoon up early, which is fairly possible, then you can make pretty good use of this card. Because, like, you know, it's common in the meta right now to have four inning or five inning starters. So, you know, if you know your opponent's pitching a three or four inning starter or five inning starter, you know you very well may be switching out your platoon in the fourth or the fifth, right? And if you're doing that, then you have half a game in which you basically get three instant replays to play on that on that player. Now, it is only one player. So that's the limiting factor here is you can only use this on the players that you have substituted into the game. So it really scales with how many platoons you have. The difficulty is if you have multiple platoons, that's pretty difficult to get to work functionally just because it makes it a lot easier for your opponent to kind of play matchups. Cause like if you have, a, if your opponent has a three inning, you know, if, if their pitcher, starting pitcher pitches three or four innings, right? And then they swap and they make you switch your platoon out in the fourth inning, then your platoons are done and you have nobody to substitute in and they can take advantage of your platoons the rest of the game. So it's really difficult to manage that. So, Again, this is a card that I could see the potential in, but um, it's I want I want to this would be something I would want to test out because if you're using only one platoon, maybe you could have multiple options to play advantages more than once to make it so that your opponent can't play advantages with their relievers on your platoons after one substitution. But then you can only play spark plug on one player. Um, but then if you use two platoons, then you're kind of giving up your platoon um, early in the game and your opponent can play with that the rest of the game. So I'm not sure how that would work. I would definitely want to test that out. But being able to add plus or minus one to any after any roll is super good. So if there is a way to get consistent use out of spark plug that didn't hurt you too much, that's definitely a card I could see getting a lot of play. And I'm very interested to test that one out. Next is Robot Umps. After a walk roll, discard a card to re-roll the swing using the same chart, die, and modifiers. So for the most part, you would use this on defense if you get a pitcher's chart walk most of the time. Like, you know, if you're on offense and you roll a walk... For the most part, you're going to be okay with that. Um, not totally, because, you know, like, you have runners on base, you need a hit, maybe you would do it. But if your batter has, like, five or six, seven outs, you're taking a pretty significant risk by re-rolling a walk. Um, especially when you're discarding a card to re-roll a walk. So you're basically paying two cards to re-roll your batter getting on base. That's pretty unlikely to pan out for you. Like it can, you know, if you're in the right situation you just got to use it, but you don't want to deck a card for a very niche situation. That's unlikely to occur. You're really decking this card because you have walks on your pitcher's chart and you want to get rid of walks um, and reroll them. So that can definitely see some use. Um, the reason it really hasn't gotten played that much is just because pitchers chart walks, generally speaking, aren't super common. Like, it's pretty unreliable to have three copies of this in your deck and be able to use them consistently. Um, 
Additionally, usually you would want to use a card like this when you're in a high leverage situation, right? So if you got runners on, you got to prevent a pitcher's chart hit to stop people from getting home. You know, it's not quite as um, a big deal if you're giving up a walk with the bases empty. Problem is, this is a walk. So no matter what's going on, a walk is not killing you in really any situation for the most part. Um, the only thing it really does is hurt you on tiredness. I mean, sure, you would rather not give up the walk, but, you know, you there's no way you can stop a for sure run with this card. Do You have no certainty of if this card is even doing anything. And because it has a discard cost, you're paying a lot in order to get something that's not remotely guaranteed. So... It's pretty difficult for that to work um, because I could see like scenarios in which you really just can't have walks because you need your pitcher to go a long, long time. I, you know, I, I could see that um, if you needed, you know, you just didn't have enough room for, you know, you had too much room for cards and you needed more cards. I could see it. Um, but it's pretty slim. I could pretty slim chance that it would work but you know i'm open to the idea of somebody finding a better use for this than i can but i currently can't see a ton of use for this as it is uh, next up is encore you play any time if a momentum card would be removed from play due to another strategy card or game effect you may discard this card instead of the momentum card so the reason this card isn't used all the time is because it doesn't work on dialed in because dialed in specifically cannot be prevented from getting removed from play by this card. So you have to use this on any other momentum card, basically. So it would have to be something that you're playing that is a good momentum card that you want to keep, but isn't dialed in. And what's tricky about that is if you're pitching and you're using dialed in, you're probably not using any other momentum cards. Like you might be using something like in it to win it or the man is nonstop, but that's fairly rare. I mean, you, you kind of just want to be using dialed in. You get three copies of it. So, you know, at best your encore is useful for like two cards in your deck, maybe three, four cards, like not a ton. Um, there's not enough support for momentum cards on offense for that to really do anything. Like, it's not like there's a situation where you have, like, four offensive momentum cards in play. You know, maybe if we see a lot of momentum cards in play um, on offense, then that might be something we look at, you know, we revisit. So I'm keeping it in the alternate side category purely because... If there was a situation in which momentum cards were very useful that this affects, this would be a very good card to have. As it currently stands, that doesn't really occur. But I'm open to the possibility that that happens in the future. And so I'm, you know, I'm kind of keeping this, you know, keeping an eye on it. Next, we have our first weather cards. I am including weather in the neutral cards because... That's basically what they are. They're neutral-ish. Um, most weather cards kind of suck. I have two weather cards in the alternate site category. One is the Dog Days. For the start of any half inning, uh, you roll the power die to determine how long it's in play. For that amount of time, all walks count as times two for the purpose of tiredness. Um, the reason why this is good 
is if you're in a very specific situation in which you are trying to tire out your opponent and you know your opponent has a thin bullpen, especially in a series format where you actually reap the benefits of making your opponent use all of their relievers. Because, you know, if you're just doing one-off games, it doesn't really matter, right? Then they don't. There is no next game that you get to face that opponent. But if you're in a series, that might be a little bit more useful. The other part of this is, though, that if the starter is so good that you need to get them out of the game, that's a pretty small number of pitchers. Like, you know, you probably don't need to use this on a pitcher like Matt Moore, because even though Matt Moore is really good, if somebody's rostering Matt Moore, they're going to be having a deep bullpen because they're rostering a five-inning starting pitcher. So they're probably not building with the idea of Matt Moore going seven innings in mind. Now, if they are, feel free to use this. Good for you. But I, I don't think anybody's going to do that. I think if somebody is using a pitcher that you need to get rid of and that pitcher and that player has a weak bullpen, generally speaking, that means the pitcher probably has seven, eight, nine innings on their card. Well, okay, those are the elite, elite pitchers. You know, if it's a very good six-inning pitcher, you know, I mean, maybe you could use it, but if somebody has a bunch of six-inning pitchers, I have a feeling they probably have at least a somewhat deep bullpen. And so then it's a question of, is their bullpen, like, deep but not very good compared to their pitcher? Because then I guess maybe you could use it. It's a very limited set of circumstances here. Is basically what I'm saying, because this card does not work on pitchers with the MVP icon. So the pitchers you would most want to use it on are against teams that have the super elite starters and no bullpen. Except if they're using the super elite starters, they probably have MVP icons. So um, there are a lot of starters that you just can't use this on. And so um, it takes a very specific situation. But... If it does work, it could work out very well. It's super useful in very, very, very specific circumstances. But it's tough to find those. But it's something you should just kind of be on the lookout for. But, you know, it's probably not something that's going to work all the time. Uh, last in this category is Muddy Track. It is a weather card. Before the start of any half inning, uh, you roll the power die to determine how long it's going to be in the game. And for that time, minus five to all player speed. But players with the stolen base icon are immune to this. So again, you would only want to use this card against a team that you know is going to run a lot, but also doesn't have stolen base icons, which again is a pretty small subset of teams you're going to be facing. If somebody's going all in on a speed strategy, they probably have stolen base icons. So, you know, you would want to use this against teams that have a lot of, like, 20, 21 speed guys that they're going to be running all over the place, but don't have stolen base icons. That's that's a very narrow window in which that would work. And you also have to take into consideration the fact that this affects you, too. So not only would you have to be facing an opponent like that, you would also have to be having a team that you know is not going to run very often. So, it's a very, again, that's a very specific set of circumstances, but in those circumstances, I could see this being useful. I don't know if 
I would use it all the time. But if I saw those circumstances and running and advancing on bases is key to my opponent's strategy, I could see myself at the very least just taking a look at it and seeing if I would want it in my deck. Okay. Finally, we have the cards in the released category, which are cards I see myself not using. Um, I'll, there's a fair amount of these. That's going to go for all these uh, categories. So I'm going to do my best to try and briefly go through why I'm not really using them. Uh, seventh ending stretch. Before the bottom half of the seventh ending, draw cards until you have seven cards in your hand, then discard the same number of cards you drew. If you've scored more runs than your opponent, they may do the same. So the reason is that Card draw is really useful early in the game because the more card draw you have in your hand, that means the more card draw on your deck, then drawing cards early means you're more likely to find cards that draw more cards, and then those cards draw more cards, right? Drawing cards is not as useful near the end of the game because there are, you know, there's not as much time to start an engine of endless drawing going. So, I mean, it's still useful, but not that useful. Um, additionally, you can literally only play this in one part of the entire game. There's only one spot in the entire game. It has to be before the bottom half of the seventh inning. So, you know, if your hand just isn't right for that circumstances, you just don't get to use the card. That's, like, really tough to use. Um, not to mention, you aren't even gaining cards, right? Because you have to discard the same number of cards you drew. So... Like, basically, you have to have a bad hand that has, like, at least a decent number of cards to replace, and also exactly in the bottom half of the seventh inning, and you have to, like, hold this card in your hand until then, and probably you want less runs than your opponent, because if you have more runs than your opponent, you don't want to give your opponent more answers to get runs back. So, I'm not really doing that. Uh, afternoon Shade, it's a weather card before the start of any half ending. Minus one to all swings as long as it's in play. I mean, it's fine, I guess, but it affects both of you. So, like, there are very few scenarios where minus one to all swings is more detrimental to one team than the other. Like, I guess if you have a ton of cards that don't require you to swing, but I don't think that exists. So... Like, unless, you're unless you somehow have, like, five copies of Slap Hit in your hand, and you're going to use them this setting, like, minus one to all swings affects you pretty much just as much as it's going to affect your opponent. It doesn't matter how good your hitters are, they all get hurt by minus one to the swing. So, I mean, I guess you can say, you know, my opponent's got good hitters up, I have bad hitters up. I mean, that's, and that's for one ending. This could go for two endings or three endings. So, this is, it's just never going to be useful enough to warrant how, like, even in the best possible case scenario, this is slightly helpful, and it's really unlikely you even find that scenario. Next, back to basics. Immediately after any out, discard two cards for the next duration of the... For the duration of the next bat, at bat this happening, treat all players in the game as if they have no icons. So, like, this is such a huge cost. You basically have to know your opponent has a card in hand that requires icons, like, next at bat. That's, like, such a slim thing. Like, even if you know your opponent has Babe Ruth coming up, and you know that they haven't played Hail to the King yet, if you don't know that they have Hail to the King in their hand, you are basically throwing away three cards 
on the off chance they're trying to play Hail to the King. And that's just like such a small window and it's such a large price to pay for that risk. The only scenario in which this card makes sense is if your opponent got hailed to the king in their hand from full Monty, so you know they have it in their hand. Or you're in like the eighth inning and you're winning by one run and you just need to stop them from scoring. Those are like the only scenarios in which this works. Neither of which are common enough that you can use this card to play around. Um, otherwise, you're just going to be hurting yourself getting like tossing three cards on like a blind guess. Okay, next, uh, Desperate Measures. After a nat natural 1 or 20 roll, they draw cards until you have 8 cards in your hand, and then discard your hand. If you do, the manager who rolled the die re-rolls it. So, the difficult part of this is that it's a natural 1 or 20 roll. If it was a natural 1 or 20 or 24 roll, I could see this being more useful. Um, it's just such a... Like, you have, basically have to discard your hand. So, it doesn't matter if you have... If you have seven cards in your hand, you're basically getting rid of your whole hand. If you have one card in hand, yes, you are drawing seven cards to, that you discard, but you're really only losing one card because you didn't have those cards anyway, right? You know, you're not going to draw through your deck, most likely. So, you know, you have to have, like, a small hand in order to lose the fewest number of cards with this. And then it has to be a natural one or 20 roll, which, I mean, it happens, but... Again, like, what are the chances it happens at the right situation, at exactly, like, the perfect leverage situation in which you need to use this card? Um, and in addition, it doesn't work on power die rolls. So, like, your opponent rolls a 24 on your pitcher's chart and gets a home run. You can't play this. So, that lowers the circumstances in which this card is useful dramatically, right? So, it has to be a 1 or a 20, which, again, you're just, you're constantly limiting the amount of times that this card is going to be useful. And even in the times it is useful, there's a pretty significant cost to it. So it's not something you're just decking and like, hey, if it works out, it's great. It's like, yeah, but I mean, there are going to be very few situations in which discarding more than like two cards is going to be worth re-rolling at one or 20. Like, if you're re-rolling a Grand Slam, yes, that's worth it. But how often does that happen? Even if you're re-rolling a two-run home run, that's pretty questionable of if that's worth it or not, honestly. Because, like, maybe you expect your team to score eight runs a game, and this is not worth it. You know, um, if your team is more control-oriented, you you plan on scoring, like, three runs a game, I mean, maybe. But they're still just re-rolling it. So if it's on their chart and they rolled a 20, they're still rolling on their chart. So it's like, there's very few situations in which this works out well for you when you're playing this card. Uh, next is Desperate Times. It is, before the start of any half inning, discard your hand, your opposing manager does not draw a card. Like, I mean, again, first of all, in the optimal situation, you are discarding at minimum, one card, because you can't discard zero cards. So you're discarding one card so that your opponent your opponent does not draw a card. Okay, so let's say, best possible situation, this is your only card in your hand. You, or no, this ha you have to have two cards in your hand. You're playing this card, you discard another card, so you're losing, you're losing two cards. 
your opposing manager loses one card. So no matter what, you're losing at least one card in value here. Now, you know, maybe there are circumstances in which that's worth it. I mean, I guess. Good luck finding those, because there's no way to know what that card is that you're denying. So it would be one thing if there was a lot of mechanics based around putting cards on top of decks. Like if you know your opponent put a really good card on top of their deck, they're going to need next setting. Maybe this would be good. But beyond that, there's not a whole lot. Like you're just denying one card and there are a fairly small amount of circumstances in which losing cards to deny one card is really that useful. So, and even the benefit, like, I don't know how many times there'd even be a benefit. And of those times, that's pretty rare that that's ever going to happen. So next dress for the occasion, discard one card, leave this card in any player. They are immune to weather strategy cards. Nobody uses weather strategy cards. So that's why this sucks. Next, uh, exchanging signs before the pitch, you may put a card in your hand on top of your deck if you do, choose one, plus two the pitcher's command, or plus two the batter's on base. I have fought this fight against this card forever. Here is why this card is not good. You have to play the card, exchanging signs, and you have to put a card from your hand on top of your deck. Now, yes, you get the card back, but you still lose a card by doing that because you don't get the card you would have drawn. So, the only scenario in which putting a card from your hand on top of your deck is basically this not the same thing as a discard is if you are ever at risk of drawing through your entire deck which never happens so you're basically discarding a card um you're just discarding a card you don't know basically which is actually worse because basically you're you're denying yourself a card you don't know how good or bad it is whereas if you're discarding you can get rid of your worst card so you're playing a card and you're getting rid of another random card, right? So you're using up two cards to get plus two commander, plus two on base. I mean, sure, maybe there's scenarios where you just really need that commander on base, but there are other cards that can do those things and don't cost two cards in order to do them. Next is Frozen Fingers. Uh, same thing as Afternoon Shade, except minus one to all pitches, instead of minus one to all swings. Same thing, like, it affects everyone the same. There's very few scenarios in which this actually helps you more than it helps your opponent. Uh, okay, give and take. Um, after any out, reveal the top three cards of your opponent's deck. Discard two of these cards for them. The remaining card is added to their hand. I have used this before. I mean, it's fine. I... It's so rare that there are cards in your opponent's deck that are so good that it's worth spending one card to give them one card. Because, like, basically, if you play give and take, you're playing a card. So you're spending one card. Then your opponent gets a card because you're revealing top three from your opponent's deck and they get one of those three. So you're basically losing two cards against your opponent from this, from this card. And the amount of times that a card is so important that it's worth that is really, really small. I mean, maybe there's a scenario where Master of Efficiency is worth that. Maybe. Other than that, 
I mean, I don't think even full Monty denial is worth that. Um, and you don't know what these cards are. So you're just kind of taking a guess. So yeah, I'm just, uh, I don't think I'm ever using this like at all. Uh, next, hello there. After any out, reveal the top card of your opponent's deck. You may choose to discard one card to force your opponent to discard the revealed card. Uh, the reason why this isn't great is because you are spending two cards to get rid of one card. Um, so either A, you spend a card and you don't discard the revealed card, or you spend two cards and you force them to discard the card. And since you've there's no way of you knowing what that card is. You're basically just hoping that you happen to find a card that is worth an extra card to discard. And that's not very common. So it's just not worth it. It's a tarp. At the start of any half inning with a weather effect in play, you know, 50-50% chance all weather cards are discarded at the end of the half inning. 50% chance all weather cards in effect are discarded immediately. Nobody uses weather cards. Also, you have to discard a card to play this. Just no. Don't do it. Um, it's a trap. When an opponent plays a strategy card that would allow them to look at your hand, draw one card. Your opponent may not look at your hand. The strategy card they played is discarded instead. I mean, here's the thing about this card. I I can see it. Um, it like There have definitely been scenarios where I thought, hey, you know, maybe that's a cool card. Like, I know my opponent's probably going to be looking at my hand a little bit. So, like, maybe I could use this. But you can't predict when they're going to use that. And you basically have to just hold this in your hand the whole time, waiting for them to hopefully find you. And if you reveal this card with a full Monty, then they just don't get to look at your hand. And usually, for the most part, there's not a huge benefit to denying your opponent from looking at your hand. Like, there's just not a whole lot of counterplay. So, honestly, the, the, the benefit is pretty small. Because, like, the best case scenario is you get to cycle one card and your opponent loses one card. And the, situ the, the situationalness of this card, like, the rarity of how often you'll get to play this card is not worth that outcome. Like, it's 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 fine. It's okay. It would be an outcome I would like if it was really common to occur, but it's not that common to occur. It's fairly rare. This card just sticks in your hand until then. You're basically waiting for something you have absolutely no control over and could happen at any time later in the game. And... It's just not super useful. Next, uh, let's just keep playing. So, this is a weather card. Roll the power die, determine how long it remains in play. For that time, um, both managers draw an additional card at the end of each half inning. I mean, basically, if you're playing this card, you are banking on your opponent having a full hand and you not having a full hand. Even in that circumstance, you're still helping your opponent out because they get to get rid of their worst cards in their hand. Like, you know, it's still helping you more, but, like, really, it's not that much better. 
And if you have it in play, your opponent can just play more cards, and they know they're going to get more cards at the end of the ending. So, again, like, the amount of situations in which this is so much more helpful to you than your opponent is not great. Especially when you consider that you have to use a card in order to get this. So, no matter what, you are minus one card on your opponent. So, basically, you would have to have your opponent lose one card due to having an extra hand in order for this to break even as far as card value goes. But your opponent also gets to choose what that card is. So they actually still benefit more than you. So they have to lose like at least two or three in order for this to even break even, which is just super unlikely. Next is... Uh, next is... Oh, I don't think so, after a change result. Uh, roll the power die. 1 through 19, no effect. 20 to 23, you may discard two cards to change the result. 24, change the result back to the original result. So, what a change result is, is actually a very small definition. Um, it doesn't... Something like um, re-rolling is not counted as a change result. A change result is when you play a card like High Chopper, that turns a ground ball into a single, or something like that. And the amount of times that occurs in the game is really small. And the amount of times that this card is going to work when you play it is really small. So you're basically taking like really small odds on the chance that your opponent plays something that's also pretty small odds that they play it. So, yeah, just not, it's just not worth it. Especially when most of the time, like, your probably average good scenario is you have to discard two cards, which is a lot of cards. So, next is Seeing as Believing, which you can play anytime. Look at your opponent's hand. Your opponent may opt to discard one card to negate this card's effect. I mean, best case scenario, you spend one card and look at your opponent's hand. Or you trade, you spend one card, your opponent spends one card, nothing happens. That doesn't help you. No, no, neither of those situations are good for you. There are very few situations in which just knowing your opponent's hand is worth that. Period. If there ever becomes more counterplay, where you can play around your opponent's hand a lot more, maybe that could be useful. As sure is not the case right now. Next, the long con. Look at the bottom five cards of your opponent's deck and return them in the same order. The amount of games in which the bottom five cards of your opponent's deck ever come into play is just about zero. I mean, maybe like 5% of games. Okay. 5% of games. This will have any kind of tangible effect on the game. In those 5% of games, you also have to know when you play this card what your opponent is going to want at that time, which is not easy to predict. Like, sure, you probably know, like, don't give them Hail to the King. Okay, cool. But, like, there's a lot of stuff that's situational. Like, maybe by the time your opponent gets to the bottom of their deck, you're winning. So you have no problem with them getting dialed in, or you have no problem with them getting set up, man, because you're winning. But maybe you're losing, and so you really don't want them to have those cards, and you don't mind if they have see it clearly, because you're trying to score runs. So 
This just like it's not gonna work. Next is against all odds. Uh, when losing as the away team, leave this card in the stadium and negate the stadium. So for an inning, you get to negate the stadium when you're losing. Uh, first of all, I don't like to play on losing. First of all, uh, second of all, um, if your team is so hurt by a stadium that you have to spend a card to negate it for one inning, there's a pretty decent chance that you messed up on your team building. Like, it's certainly possible that there are some stadiums, you know, like Atlanta, like if you get forced to play in Atlanta and your starting pitcher is Matt Moore, maybe I could see it. Um, but like, there are very few circumstances in which this card is even worth considering. And in those circumstances, you also have to consider that like, you have to be playing this card. It's like, let's say you're in Atlanta, right? And you have Matt Moore. Okay. If you play against all odds, you are basically spending a card to make your opponent hold their power die cards until the next inning. Is that worth it? I mean, probably not because they're just as likely to have a high liberty situation next inning as they are this inning. So I would consider that not particularly worth it. Next is not without a fight. Before the pitch when losing, ninth inning or later, discard one card, look through your deck and pick one card to draw, shuffle your deck. So basically you're spending two cards because you're playing one card and discarding another to get any card in your deck. Um, I guess I could, like, obviously in a vacuum, this could be good, right? You're in the ninth inning, you're down by a run, you need a card, you find Hail to the King, you hit a walk-off home run, everybody's happy. Except your opponent. But the amount of times that that happens is really small, and the difficulty with having a card like this is that it can only be played at the very end of the game. So if you draw this in the third inning... Either you're just discarding it, or you have a dead card in your hand. Now, yes, there's Advanced Scout, but, you know, even Advanced Scout, like, like it works with which Clutch Moment cards, because, like, those can be used in the 7th. You know, using these in the ninth is really sketchy, because you could draw this in the 1st inning, you know, you could draw it in the 3rd inning, you could draw it in the 5th inning, and there are, like very small windows in which this is useful, right? Because even in the best case scenario where like you draw this in the eighth inning and the ninth inning is coming up, like how many times when that happens is your game close enough to where you could win with one specific card, right? There are very few cards that are so good that it's worth looking for those cards specifically. Most of the time, those cards are cards like Full Monty because those give you more cards. Well, that's not particularly useful in this situation because you're at the end of the game. You're trying to win the game. So, you know, the amount of times this is super useful is really small because you have to be in a close enough game in the ninth inning for this to mean anything. And if you're holding this in your card for a long period of time, you're hurting your chances to be in a close game because you are basically sacrificing one spot in your hand of a card you can't use. So it's really difficult to work. Finally, we have Ban the Wave. Uh, Ban the Wave 
You play after the third out of a half ending. Each manager guesses what card type the top of the card of the deck will be, draws that card to check, and then immediately discards that card. Each manager that guessed correctly draws two cards. This card sounds initially like a good card. Because, you know, you can just, like, fill your deck with a bunch of offensive cards, and then you play this card, and you guess offense, and you get cards, and your opponent maybe has a more balanced deck, and they don't. Here's why this doesn't work. Playing this card spends one card. So, no matter what happens, you are losing one card against your opponent immediately. So, in order for this card to work, you have to have... Like, basically, you have to be more than 50% more likely to guess correct than your opponent. Like, if you have a 100% chance of guessing correctly, which is impossible, because if you have multiple copies of this in your deck, then you... Unless it's all neutrals, which, good luck. So, you know, but let's just say you have 100% chance of guessing correctly. So you are guaranteed to spend one card to draw two. So you get a gain of one card. In order for this to help you, your opponent has to have a lower than 50% chance of guessing correctly. Because if they have a 50% chance of guessing correctly, on average, they gain one card. And that breaks even with you if you have a 100% chance of guessing correctly. So if you have, let's say, something more realistic, like maybe a 60% chance of guessing correctly, then on average, you are gaining like, you know, one-tenth of a card, something like that, right? Your opponent would have to have like a 5% chance of guessing correctly for that to work, which is statistically impossible because there are only a certain number of card types that they can have in their deck. So... You know, for most people, there's offense, defense, and neutral. So they usually are going to have, at the very worst, 33% chance of guessing correctly. So, you know, the amount of times that you are going to actually get value from this card is basically zero. So don't fall for this trap. This card is bad. It will hurt you. And with that, we have covered every single neutral and weather card in the game. Uh, believe it or not, that is the smallest category of cards that we will be covering. So strap in and look forward to having us talk about maybe some different categories of cards in the future. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day.